Might we need to fast from overloaded lives? One gifted writer recently described our society's problems as overload. See if you can see what he meant, and then think with me where you show up on a diagnostic test that determines how much of this deadly condition called overload is in our lives. Number one, he says, we have choice overload. In 75, there were 9,000 supermarket items on the shelves. Today, Walmart's flagship, the Supercenter, has 142,000 different products. We've gone in, in a short order from 9,000 needed items to 142,000. We have choice overload. In fact, Alvin uh, Toffler wrote, we are in fact fate racing toward overchoice. I think we're there. We have too many choices. That's why people can't do it. They're paralyzed, too many choices. Here's another one, decision overload. This generation is facing never dreamed of before decisions, like whether or not to wait to have children. People couldn't wait to have children. They just had children. I mean, they just, now we, you know, how long am I going to wait? How much money do I have to have? How many school loans do I pay off before I have kids? Or how about this, moving to change jobs? You didn't move to change jobs. You were desperately connected because you lived in one place your whole life and you just kept your job. How about whether both mom and dad should work outside the home? How about whether we should put grandma into the home or not? We had, I mean, those weren't even choices in the old days. We're, we're just overloaded. Too many decisions in too, too short a time is vintage overload. How about this? Food overload. Uh, the Surgeon General reports that Americans are overweight today more than at any time in history. But at the same time, 40,000 children die every day from starvation and preventable disease. So we're living in an overindulgent, gorging themselves. I mean, people say, I'm going to the all-you-can-eat buffet. Do you want to eat all you can? Is that wise? Is that godly? I would show you, but we don't have time. This, if you can trust the, you know, the government, they show the advancement of obesity and diabetes. And it used to be, you know, just in some states that, that eat too much fried everything, now it's everywhere. It's unbelievable. How about hurry overload? Haste is a modern ailment. It's fashionably American. Our lives are nonstop. We live at a breathless pace. We walk fast, talk fast, eat fast, and then excuse ourselves saying, ha, I gotta run. And we think it's positive. Alexander Solzhenitsyn accusingly said in the last century, hastiness and superficiality these are the psychic diseases of the 20th century. Yet, that's just how it is. No, that's how we allow it and choose it to be. Here's the last one, possession overload. We have more things per person than any other nation has had in history. Our closets are full, our storage space is used up, our cars won't fit in the garages anymore. Having first imprisoned ourselves with debt, Possessions take over our houses and occupy our time. This begins to sound like an invasion. Everything I own begins to own me. And why would I want more? Jesus said the care of things would make our hearts grow cold. It's working. And one of the biggest impediments of today is debt and stuff. And we have to take care of it. So, that introduces us to the neglected spiritual discipline. Isn't it amazing that perhaps the greatest tool to grow intimate with God and dispel spiritual apathy 
is so neglected, not even talked about? Isn't it tragic that what may be the key to seeing wayward children and grandchildren come back to God is so neglected? Isn't it hard to believe that God described a way to see him move upon the oppressed and the afflicted in a liberating way that we neglect it? Because we're overloaded with decisions and choices and food and hurry and possessions? Probably we don't think about fasting, hear about fasting, or practice fasting because we are indulging ourselves. And we do that in America like no nation has ever done in the history of our planet. We consume more than anyone ever dreamed was possible. And it's our right. It might be their right. I'm not sure it's ours as those who belong to the Lord. Today we look back and forward. The Lord's Supper is a look back. We remember the work of Christ on the cross 2,000 years ago. We note in our hearts that Christ died, Christ rose, Christ ascended to the right hand of God. He took my penalty on himself. That's what salvation is. My sins are on him. And if you don't know your sins are on Christ, then his arms are still open to you. But we who know Christ know he imputed his righteousness to us. He dealt with our guilt. He, He took away the shackles of our sin, and Satan was defeated. And our destiny in hell was blotted out of the future for all of us who have come to Christ. So that's the Lord's Supper. What's fasting? Do you remember? About a month ago I told you that Jesus said, when the bridegroom is gone, that's when he ascends to heaven. He said, then my disciples will fast. What we'll see next time is that the early church's love for Christ's return was so tied to their life fasting from anything that distracted them from him. Because biblical fasting, on the other hand, looks ahead and on the basis of the past work of Christ longs for his return. And we love him so much and long for his coming that we express our loving, longing delight by declaring as we fast that nothing but God can satisfy our heart's desires. Career can't. Marriage can't. Money certainly can't. Amusements never will. Only Christ can.